Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Puppies and kitties. Yes, we love these. Listen to this podcast, please. Book Squad Goals. Hello, and welcome to um, Hashtag Book Squad Goals. Uh, That's the introduction. I did a very good job, and thank you. To everyone for letting me just go for it and not even try. It was good. It was good. You did, good. It. You so, did such. <laughs> yeah, it was better than any of us could have done. I'm so wow. proud of you. That was Kelly, everyone. Good That's job, me. Kelly. Yay! Thank you. Okay. Uh, okay, so this is our first episode, not counting the first episode that we recorded that was like worse than this one is hopefully going to be. <laughs> That one, that one will be a deep cut that we release later. Yes. Yeah, um, for like our yeah. diehard after. Fans. Yeah, yeah, hundredth anniversary <laughs> episode. Like, yes. look how bad it could be, guys. This is what you could have had. It's just Emily's cough drop. Yeah, <laughs> just just me sucking on a cough. I'm drop on a for Bluetooth mic. It sounds like I'm calling in from the Middle East. <laughs> hey, speaking of the Middle East, hey. Excellent segue. No, we have to introduce everyone oh, else. Oh, okay. This is the first episode. Speaking of the Middle East, let's introduce ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Kelly, obviously, since we said that already. And I'm a graphic designer. I work in publishing. I'm reading off of a Google Doc right now because um, I don't know anything about myself. Way to give um, it away, Kelly. Sorry. There's a fucking ant on my desk. <laughs> Well, it's, I've tr- I tried to p- capture it, and in- instead I let it go, and so now it's alive somewhere. <laughs> okay, so I am Emily. I am – I'm re- going to read off of my thing, too. Okay, so it says – this thing that I wrote says that I am mother of cats, unicorn enthusiast. I am currently studying for my PhD in creative writing, um, which I know sounds fake, but it isn't. Um, yeah. <laughs> I am drinking water. Um, Wonderful. I guess, Thank you. I guess I will go. Go. Yes. I am also studying for my PhD in English at the same. Wait, who are you? Oh, I'm Mary. Oh, okay. It's me. <laughs> it's me, Mary. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm also studying for my PhD in English at the same university Emily is at and the university where Susan is an alum and Kelly has never been affiliated with this university. <laughs> 
Um, but I'm <laughs> focusing on children's literature and disability studies, um, which does sound like a thing to everyone but academics. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a thing to me. And in my spare times, I play and run Dungeons and Dragons games because I'm a huge Ooh. nerd. And occasionally call a Cthulhu. And occasionally call a Cthulhu. I don't know what that word. What are those words? Uh, it's a it's a game based on H.P. Lovecraft's novels or short stories. Oh, actually, that sounds like something I would be into. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm Susan, and I have a PhD from the same university <laughs> that Emily and Mary currently go to. Uh, I'm not using my PhD in any way, nor do I plan to. Um, my loans are about to start being paid off, though. Yeah. For yeah. no reason. Um, I work in advertising <laughs> as a copywriter. It has nothing to do with poetry at all. So It's, it's writing. Really it's, it's, no, it's adjacent. <laughs> but it's not, I didn't need a PhD to do this. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. But they were nice enough to give me a nameplate that says doctor in front of it, which makes me kind of feel like an a-hole. Oh. <laughs> Doc Brown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they actually gave me two. One says Doc Brown and one has like my full name, doctor. And yeah, I'm really self-conscious about it at work. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> cool. It's okay. That's us. That's everyone. All right. So does Susan want to introduce the book that we read? Oh, and f- I should also say, uh, like, just going forward on this podcast, we're going to be spoiling literally everything, because how can you talk about a book without spoiling things? So Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there won't be spoiler alerts throughout, because this whole thing is spoilers. Yeah. So if you don't want that, just stop. <laughs> or save it for Actually, later. you should have read the book along with us. Ideally, that's how it will work yeah. once this gets gets going. Okay, so we read Here I Am by Jonathan Saffron Thor. And a quick little synopsis. It focuses on several key events all happening more or less around the same time. There's the crumbling of a marriage, uh, the impending bar mitzvah of one of the children in the family, a devastating earthquake in Israel, And then war in the Middle East breaks out, and there's a fight for Israel as the Jewish home. There is a suicide amongst all this as well. And then there's a family dog who's dying and eventually dead. Um, All of these events involve loss, and as a byproduct of that loss, some existential crises or near crises Also at the center of the book is what it means to be Jewish and what Israel means to American Jews. When Israel is crumbling, whose job is it to protect it? What can be done? When a marriage and a family are are falling apart, what can be done then? Yeah. That sums it up. That sums it up really well, I think. Key questions. I mean, it's a Um, 500-page novel, so that's a good, succinct summary. Yeah, it's a big old book. Yeah, it's... It's long as fuck. It is heavy. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Susan. It's, yeah. Well, I didn't know how big it actually was when I chose it. It just, it, I had only seen a picture of the cover on the internet and it looked fine. So. It's a lovely cover. It is. I will say. It is. 
Um, but yeah, I was like carrying, I, my commute is like 45 minutes and I'm like carrying this giant book in my bag and I'm just like, never again. <laughs> like she goes to NYU. She's a student, a lit student. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, I'm an undergrad. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not, so. but, you um, pass for one. Oh, thanks. <laughs> so could anyone here probably. But, um, okay, so I guess, first of all, like, how did everyone feel about this book, Susan? Well, first, I want to say why I chose it, um, because you asked me to say that earlier, I think. Um, so this was, or this is, um, Thor's first book in 10 years, um, and I've, the only other one of his I've read was Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, which I really did like, although I know that certain reviewers did not like it <laughs> very much at all. <laughs> Looking at you, Kakutani. Is that the name of the person I'm thinking yeah. of? Yeah. Machiko. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Not a fan. Um, but I really enjoyed it. And I was wanting to see over the past 10 years you know, where he goes from there. But also I picked it for Jewish reasons because I am Jewish. Did I, I said I am a Jewish. <laughs> People are like, no, you're not. That's not how people say that. Um, <laughs> I am Jewish and um, have really no affiliation with Israel at all, um, mostly because I'm a convert, but also just because I think most American Jews, especially living in the American South, don't really have much affiliation with Israel. So I was interested in that component of it as well. So there's my little cool why I picked it. Um, but overall, I, I feel I have positive feelings about it. It took me a really long time to finish it. We were supposed to record this about a million years ago, and I think I delayed it personally at least twice, (laughs) but I finally made it two days ago. I finished it. Um, yeah, um, I did enjoy it though. Actually, I think I liked it more than extremely loud and incredibly close for whatever that is worth. I have never read any of his other novels. I've tried to read Everything's Illuminated, but I think I was too young at the time and I ended up just thinking, I don't get it and putting it down. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I was so on board with this for about two thirds of the novel. I was excited and I kind of, I felt like it reminded me of John Updike, but without the misogyny, like this really close portrait of a family and how I think there was a little bit of misogyny, but that's fine. I had maybe not gotten to that yet. Um, Okay. I'm sorry. But you know, just this like really close picture of an American family. I was interested in that, but then the last third I got increasingly angry at Thor himself <laughs> because I, I felt emotionally manipulative in a way. Hmm. I don't know. We can talk about that later, but okay. so like, so, good so 75% you feel good. Yeah. The first seven. But, but then when I finished it immediately, I went on Goodreads and just said two stars. <laughs> I hated it. Oh, really? That's oh, interesting damn. because I remember at the beginning of it, you were like, I can't put it down. Yes. I'm so into this. I love it. It's so good. The ending really yeah. marred it for me. So I overall feel positive about it, though. I think that it has some problems. 
of course, but I'm like, and have been a huge fan of Jonathan Saverfor, though I haven't read Eating Animals. I did read um, Everything is Illuminated when I was in like, I think like 12th grade or something. And then I read um, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close when I was like in college, like undergrad and like, I don't know, like that's like a time when you read things and you're like, this right. is the book for me. Like this book <laughs> means everything. And that was like how I felt about his stuff. And the the way that those books are written is a lot more... Um, almost like both of those books have these like magical qualities to Mm -hmm. them in certain ways. And like this book goes a lot further into like the realism, um, which I, which I liked. It wasn't a problem for me, but I did like connect to it less because when I was going into reading it, I had had this, these experiences of his other books and I was like, oh, hopefully it will be like those. It's not really like them. It's pretty different. Mm -hmm. I felt, um, I like was pretty, pretty on board at the beginning and then Somewhere in the middle, I was starting to feel like, there's so much going on. <laughs> all of this, like, I'm not sure that all of these pieces are are connecting as well as I would like them to. Um, and then the end actually really, like, brought it back for me. Like, by the last section, I guess, I really, I felt like um, I was um, emotionally fulfilled by where it went. And, like... The last couple of pages like destroyed me forever, obviously, because yeah. it fulfilled yeah. you, but <laughs> it didn't manipulate you. Yeah, I didn't feel <laughs> manipulated though. Like I, I rarely feel manipulated unless it's like so obviously manipulative. If it's just like something that's like designed to be emotional, then I'm like, all right, you know. But if it's like you know, if three members of the family had died and then the dog had also died, I would have been like, fuck you. But, you know, dogs die. Sorry. <laughs> they do. Animals no, die. Mine are never like, going to, though. So. Well, That's I mean, true. that dog probably should have died before the book even started. <laughs> to be yeah. fair. That that dog fair. was struggling. Yeah. Struggling. Um, I, I feel like now I just kind of like want to respond to things that you guys have said a little bit. Um, so let me think about this. I, I kind of agree with Mary about the ending. And I feel like part of the problem is the scope of this book was so big that then it was like, how do you end this appropriately? Um, so it kind of felt like one of those situations where it was like, he's not quite sure how to end this. Um, I'm never on board with animals dying at all. (laughs) I think Kelly and I had a really long talk about this, actually. Um, Argument. Yes. <laughs> long, a long talk. I, you know. Because Emily doesn't like Inside Lewin Davis. Uh, There's cat cruelty fuck in her. It, you know? Okay. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> Orange cat cruelty, Mary. No. Orange, yeah. Don't, yeah. Okay, anyway. Um, so that's always really hard for me. And I know that that's just like a personal thing, but like it really, for me, if a, if an animal is going to get hurt or killed in a story, even if that animal is like peeing all over the place, um, and pooping, peeing and pooping all over the place. That's like only pooping, really. Pooping. There was never a complaint about his pee, which was interesting. Like, cause pee, yeah, yeah. pee is easier to clean, I guess. Well, he was just like past that. Yeah. Like, it's worse if you can't control your poop. For a yeah, that's true. Okay, well, anyway. Um, I mean, 
it's just got to feel like it's necessary for the story for me. And like, I didn't, I don't know that that was necessary for the story. It was just sort of like another, another thing. Uh, in, in response to your, um, in, I don't know what to call it, uh, comment about magic. Uh, Kelly, I, I've never read any of his other work, so I don't really know what this is like compared to that. But I was thinking like, maybe the magic in this book is like the text speak and the like oh, online like world and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, that to me kind of, kind of read as like this parallel world where I don't know, like it was like almost like a different storyline was happening. Um, even just like, not just in the, actual game it's not a game okay you 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 live it you don't play it (laughs) you don't play it um but i mean even just like when people were texting each other and stuff it was sort of like this i don't know like almost like magical way of communicating and i i felt like those sections worked really well for me and it wasn't just because i was like oh this is really easy to read but (laughs) (laughs) um i i don't know i just thought that they worked no those definitely i think are the closest to what I'm, what I felt about those other books, like, like in other, in the other books, the characters will have like prolonged conversations with like people that don't exist or ghosts or things like that, like engaging in like their things that they're thinking about, but that aren't actually there. Yeah. And that seemed like close to that. Yeah. When you say that, it makes me think specifically of Samantha. Mm hmm. And like, you know, there's that that moment where when Samantha dies, quote unquote. Um, <laughs> yes. Well, I guess she's she's like poisoned in the game or whatever. From the bouquet of yeah. mortality. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, Sam has this moment where he's like really thinking about her as having separate consciousness and like, what did that feel like for her? And so, like, I guess to me that seems like sort of a similar thing maybe maybe it's not though because i again like i haven't read it's the it's the closest yeah yeah definitely so yeah that's those are my thoughts (laughs) i have yet to read it on goodreads so i can't i don't have an official word yet on my (laughs) yeah i haven't rated it yet either i think i'll probably give it like a does goodreads allow half stars no god damn it that's so stupid is it a four star or five star system five Five. Right? Wow, Mary, you like gave it's it a probably... really low one. Yeah, I, yeah, um, damn, two was, is low. I was mad at the end, and I just immediately got on there. And what you shouldn't you rate when you're angry. It. I know. Yeah, you gotta let it simmer. I would. I'd probably like if I had the option, I'd give it three and a half. But if I'm gonna have to choose between three and four, I'm gonna yeah. give it three. That's how I feel. I, I wish I could rate different parts of the book different yes. things like different yeah. there's certain storylines that would be like four or five stars for me for sure mm-hmm. yeah and then other storylines that i really just couldn't like care as much about i don't know half just star yeah zero stars <laughs> for this storyline i skimmed it yeah, dislike I yeah i don't know susan's mad at all of us now no, I'm not. I don't. I'm not like related <laughs> to him or anything. <laughs> Susan's like, I'm not mad. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. <laughs> Let's see what happens when we read your book, though. 
<laughs> okay. We we do have to go back and talk about the worst book that Mary ever picked. Oh no! Because this no. <laughs> I was hoping of I could all escape the, it. All the dog death in the world and all the dog <laughs> shitting on the, in the house in the world can never hold a candle to the badness that was the couple next door. I agree. We, I, I we, we all can talk agree, about this but she later. Gave this yeah. two stars, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what would you have given the couple Zero. next door? Negative yes. seven. I feel like maybe in the future we should come back and do like a mini sode <laughs> on the couple. I would love to. I'm going to rip it apart. Yes. I would love that. So if you really want to hate read something for a future mini sode, our, our dear <laughs> listeners, we're coming back to couple next door. It's warning, it's fucking awful. And we it's all so hate bad. it. It's also but. bad as an audiobook. That doesn't help at oh. all. No, I don't think it was. It's not even bad. Unless in a you good like way, very dramatic <laughs> reading. <laughs> I, I know. So I if- will say that I listened to some of the audiobook of this book of Here I Am, and uh, this guy is working overtime. Like, he he's <laughs> voicing a family of five, plus oh, grandparents, plus a great grandparent, plus. Like, kids at school. Plus, he reads, you know, the text messages in a different voice. So you can tell that they're, you know, not part of what's happening at the moment. Um, Which at first, like, really threw me for a loop. I was like, what's happening? And did he do, like, a robot voice? Was he like, hello, Samantha? (laughs) What are you? (laughs) I'm talking about the dirty text between Jacob and... Oh, 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 no. Oh, no. He did it in sexy voice. Well, he did it in like a like a whisper, like it was like a this voice, um, to show me that that wasn't part of the actual conversation that was happening at the moment. But I definitely Yikes. had to like, I'm gonna go crack the book open and just take a gander <laughs> at what's happening here because what? Um, but yeah, it was so many, so many different voices for one person. I hope he got paid a lot to do that. Like, unless this is Harry Potter, I don't want to hear your character voices. Like, seriously? His old Jewish man like, character you better be- voice is, like, oh, no. it, it's like the, um, it's like Larry David playing Bernie Sanders. Oh, no. On SNL. Oh, it's like that voice. That's Irv's voice in the book. I could see that. So. I was hoping it would be, like, the grandpa from Rugrats. <laughs> the Jewish grandpa. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I was kind of amazed. I was like, I could actually keep track too. I mean, it's it's a man narrating, but like even I can keep track of what what Julia's voice sounded like and who in the kids even could tell them apart and everything. I was like, this guy's good, yeah. but wow. and he's got that old. You know, he could do a Larry David slash Bernie Sanders <laughs> understudy role if if needed. Uh, what is our discussion point, Susan? Group leader. Yeah, let me hit up the Google Doc. <laughs> <laughs> this is so much pressure on the first episode to be a leader. Um, Emily, what are you doing in the Google Doc? Okay. What? Did I do something? Your I'm cursor just is just like a bouncing everywhere. Around. Okay. It's like your name and it just like, it's like this. Can you see me? <laughs> boop, 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 yeah. boop, I just. I thought you were going to like delete my discussion points or something. Yeah, Calm I'm going to delete it. Emily's taken over. <laughs> Okay. Fuck you for picking this dog-killing book. I'm deleting everything. 
If I had known that, honestly, I probably wouldn't have picked it. <laughs> it's, but it's fine. If I had known it ended in dog euthanasia, I would have been like, oh. let's be real. If it was a cat, Emily would be far more hateful right now. I just don't feel like you should hold me personally responsible. No, for no. It. Um, I, d- I really don't. And that's why I didn't delete your stuff. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but just know she is capable. <laughs> I'm not afraid of you. Um, the first. <laughs> Uh, theme or topic I wanted to talk about was existence and presence. Um, thinking of where here I am comes from the phrase is Abraham's response to God in the Bible when he calls to him, um, which is talked about some in the book. In someone's bar mitzvah, was it Jacob's bar mitzvah? <laughs> like when he was remembering it? There were so many bar mitzvahs. There were a lot yeah, of bar mitzvahs. I think we even was. got into Max's bar mitzvah like later. So anyway. Oh, yeah. But essentially, when God calls to Abraham, Abraham just says, here I am, doesn't question anything. It's just, he's here. Um, so throughout the novel, there are other instances of characters either asserting or failing to assert their existence, which particularly, I think, applies to Jacob. So questions I wrote for this, and anyone can jump in whenever. When and how do we see Jacob wrestling with his existence in his marriage, in Judaism, or elsewhere? Constantly. yeah well one thing that i really liked about the characterization of jacob is that like he talks about how he's incapable of yelling or getting mad and there's only two times in his life when he's ever yelled at anyone and i'm just and it like all of like the whole thing with julia telling him like you know i know that you didn't cheat on me because you literally couldn't because you're such a pussy (laughs) and he's like (laughs) just like his whole existence seems to revolve around the fact that he's like incapable of like making himself known or like asserting his feelings or being or doing the things that he wants to do he just like he like fantasizes and he thinks about these things and then he just sits there and does nothing yeah yep and it's not just it's not just existence i think it's a particular sort of existence because technically Jacob's existing. They're all existing and just moving along, but he seems invested in like this particular type of manhood. I mean, they're talking about it when Sam is going to have a bar mitzvah and how he suddenly seems more responsible. And so he's a man now. And during that section, Sam really is getting stuff done and being proactive and we don't see Jacob get anything done through the entire novel. <laughs> he can't even write a stupid TV show. <laughs> I've got to be honest, when he started talking about the TV show about his family and how it was his life's work, I just thought, no. <laughs> yeah, it sounded stupid. Sorry. Well, I never for a second believed it was going to become anything. Yeah. Which is what's kind of sad about everything Jacob does. Yes. It's like, also, I mean, I didn't think he was really going to Israel even after preparing all this stuff to do it. Like, he said he talked to a lawyer and, and he was like saying goodbye, but he was never really going to go. He just wanted someone to tell him Not that they go. wanted him to stay. But no one ever said that either. He, so at the end, he just didn't. But. <laughs> Well, all right. But someone thought he went, that lady in Ikea. Oh, yeah. 
Even though his name wasn't even listed on the thing when he, like, went to check. Right, which is, like, <laughs> even sadder, kind of. <laughs> like, yeah, he made up, he, and he lied about it in that instance. Like, yeah, I was, I was there. I answered the call. <laughs> and, <laughs> no, you are no Abraham. <laughs> there are, like, several points throughout the novel where he, like, lies or pretends to, to do something. Like, when he, the whole thing about the sign language. That was he, bizarre. What? It's really bizarre. So, but I kind of like, loved goes, it. Like, I loved that about him. Yeah. Like, that was such an interesting part of his character, but it was also, I mean, it was super fucking weird, obviously. So, I guess um, for those yeah. who haven't listened, or who haven't read, Jacob, <laughs> the main character, who can't do anything, somehow learns sign language, <laughs> teaches himself sign language, goes in secret to conventions of deaf people and talks to them in sign language. And he tells no one, not his wife, and not his kids. at the conventions, says that he has a deaf yes. child. And that is why he has learned sign language and why he is at That's the That's really messed up. It's fucked up. <laughs> like, what are you doing, dude? He's like, he is deeply disturbed. <laughs> But why why does he do that? Like I don't know what the answer to that is because I'm not sure how it makes him feel. It's like everything he does is kind of in an effort to make him feel important or needed somehow and I don't really know how that accomplishes. Well, it does it does accomplish need. it because if you go to one of these gatherings and you say, "Oh, my child is deaf." I've learned sign language so I can better communicate with my child. It makes you look like an awesome, understanding parent, I guess. And like you're really okay, proactive yeah. and trying to. Which he's um, like totally not as an actor. No, he's not. He's, <laughs> he's around. Yeah, he's like, you want to hear a penis joke? I got one. <laughs> And his kids are like, uh, yeah, we all decided who we're going to live with. It's mom. <laughs> <laughs> and mom's like, yeah, of course it was me. <laughs> well, and he lied about, um, another thing he lied about was sleeping with, whether or not he slept with the woman he was texting. Right. When he first said it to Tamir, when he first said yes, that he slept with her, I was like, oh my gosh, he did. Yeah, I was excited and then, you know, for him. Five almost. minutes later, he's like, "Oh, I I made that up. I really did it." And I was like, yeah, "Oh my I gosh, he actually did not." Like, <laughs> Julia was right. That whole which that speech by Julia is awesome. Um, I love Julia. When I she, do too. That was like my favorite. Um, my favorite piece of dialogue in the whole thing was that argument where she was like, "If you were ever faced with someone's actual asshole, yes, <laughs> actually in front of your face, there's no way." <laughs> I those text messages were so graphic. Oh my god. Like I was reading it on the train and I was telling you guys this that like I was just like you sit so close to people and I'm just like holding the book like really like almost closed while I'm reading it so that people can just like look <laughs> over and see cuz it's also like they're spaced out like on their own line and italicized so it's just like yeah. This is this says something about common assholes. Please look at it, like to anyone yeah. sitting near you. <laughs> I can just imagine this was a lot for you to read. Mary, oh yeah, because 
I'm kind of a prude. Because, <laughs> yeah, you're a prude. Are you? A little bit. Yeah. Like, I don't think I knew okay, this about you. Okay, so, just as an, as an, just as an example, <laughs> we read, uh, we read Dark Matter. Oh, and yeah. Mary, as always, was ahead of me in it because she reads faster than I do. And she was like, oh, this book, so much sex in it. And it's just like graphic and there's so well, much. And I was like, all right. And then I read it and I was like, no. I think to my, there really to wasn't. my credit, though, science fiction typically doesn't have a lot of sex in it. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Now that I read Dark Matter also, and I only remember one instance of sex and it was pretty not graphic he just i mean basically he just talks about being horny a lot yeah right yeah like a teenage boy which she's <laughs> <Yeah>. not <laughs> so did sam's horniness bother you when it was like that <gasps> whole section about how he masturbates weirdly all the time? weirdly no i was really um like well i guess he has like a pretty okay outlook on this you know like he's not super ashamed <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like this the sex in this book is and and the masturbation segments are described with like a sort of clinical <laughs> like realism where it just oh my god, the part where he talks about how he would masturbate with like hair gel. I was like, <laughs> no, it was so horrible. <laughs> but it was so like it was descriptive in a way that was not at all like flowery or cuz like the way that authors often write about sex is like so like romanticized and this is just basically like i jerked it's off clinical. using hair gel yeah <laughs> and he and he yeah. would report like i tried to use this and it didn't work so i moved on to i mean it's almost like a scientific method yeah is there is there a way to write about masturbation romantically maybe i guess the way to write about masturbation romantically is to not write about masturbation <laughs> i you know what now that i'm thinking about it i think the closest this book comes to describing masturbation romantically is when there's that there's that part where he's like remembering uh masturbating oh yeah with his cousin yeah yeah with his cousin Tamir and oh, this is Jacob. Like, Jacob's remembering. Yeah, Jake. I'm sorry. Where Jacob is remembering masturbating with Tamir, like next to him, and thinking about whether his moans were like embellished. Uh. And I mean, like, not that that's romantic, but it's a little less clinical yeah. because there's some sort of like emotion attached to that. Like, what does it mean that we're having this like communal masturbation? Yeah, and I think because there's you another know? person there. Yeah. I mean, I guess, like, I can think of songs that kind of romantically talk about masturbation. Really? Yeah, like, if you haven't listened to, uh, gosh, I can't remember the name of the song. It's Lizzo. 22 by Taylor Swift. No. (laughs) It's Lizzo. It's Lizzo. Is that song about masturbation? And it's called, I think it's called. I'm going to listen to it differently just because you said that. There's no evidence. I think it's called Feel Myself. (laughs) And it's talking about, like, oh, I walked by the mirror and I looked at myself and I think I'm looking really good tonight, so excuse me while I feel myself. And, like, I guess you could take it as, like, ooh, I'm feeling myself, I'm going to dance. But anyway, I don't know. I can see that. Whatever. It's good. It's a good song well, and everyone should listen to it. I think we got away from the question. 
What was Are we still yeah, talking about, about identity? But now we're talking about uh, assholes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that well, okay, they're connected, so right? Other characters that also experience that same kind of crisis of identity or asserting their presence or existence. I mean, definitely, definitely Sam. Yeah, who has a literal? Yeah, I'm, Mary, you you kind of wanted to talk about the gender identity issue with Sam. Yeah, right? yeah. So Sam plays or lives this game called an other life right second I keep, life second life is a real game yeah this one's called other life so other life is oh. like this the slight wink <laughs> i swear as i was reading it i read it as second life every time yeah so but okay so sam right. plays so sam sam plays this game called other life and his avatar is a young woman hispanic woman a hispanic woman yeah and at first i thought we're gonna get this storyline where sam is going to come out as transgender this is gonna be like the real representation of himself but then later he chooses when once his avatar samantha dies he chooses to um have his new avatar look like an old man like his dead great grandfather. And that that's I mean it's so interesting cuz that's two opposite ends of the spectrum. Young woman, like young Hispanic woman, elderly uh Jewish man. I was just going to say, I mean it makes me think of like role playing, which like I have experience with mm-hmm. um from my long and storied history of being a nerd. And, (laughs) um, like, you know, and the idea that, like, because he, he is inhabiting this, like, body online or this, like, other identity, and at first you think, like, maybe this is his identity, but then you realize, like, he's just, like, playing out these different scenarios and playing these different people because he's just, like, I guess he's just, like, curious about, like, like, being in the shoes of another character, so to speak, and, like, like Samantha is like a character in a way. Right. Yeah, no, I totally well, she agree. She seems to be like the almost like mirror image of or kind of the opposite side of he's like heading toward this bar mitzvah he doesn't want to do and she's having a bat mitzvah right. in other life. But it's like the speech that she gives is like, fuck this whole thing. <laughs> I hate everything. I don't want to do this. And then she blows up a synagogue. So, um, it's like all these things that he could never actually do, but she's like living on the other side of this wall and living it out and blowing shit up. Yeah. It's like, get it, girl. Until her tragic death. <laughs> right. Which was very anti. That's such a dad thing to do, though. Like, <laughs> play this game for a minute. Oh, I killed your character. I was, like, so nervous when that happened, and then it just, like, barely played out in any way. It was just, like, Sam was just, like, ugh, whatever, and he, like, made a new... I thought it was going to be, like, a whole explosive fight, and, like, the family was going to fall apart because of that, and then it was just, like, whatevs. Which I thought was interesting, because that was a direction it could have gone in. But it didn't. The biggest explosive fight with that was him with the, like, customer service representative. 
That was like my was- favorite thing. It was such a realistic conversation that you have with a customer service representative <laughs> where they're like still yeah. preaching to you like the the like tagline of the game while yeah. you're trying to get money back. And they're like, it's not a game. <laughs> and he's like, okay, but and then they're like, but sir, I don't think you understand. <laughs> it's not a game. You don't play it. You live it. You live, you live it. it. Unless mm-hmm. you have several hundreds of thousands of dollars. Twelve, twelve hundred dollars? Oh, it was it twelve hundred? Yeah. Okay, it wasn't as much as I thought. I mean, and that's he was like, still ridiculous. Yeah. And he was like, I can't pay it. I'll have to work forever. And I'm like, you're fucking rich, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> you work for HBO. <laughs> for apparently a shitty show, though, according to, like, his whole family. I, I had trouble it. believing that, honestly. Yeah. I was like, I bet that show's pretty good. I bet I watched it. I feel like they were referencing that it was, like, a Game of Thrones-esque yeah. show. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Didn't they talk about dragons or yeah. something mm-hmm. like that? I mean, if, if a show Which is bad... Which sounds way better to me. If a show is bad, <laughs> HBO cancels it. Um, so, once he becomes... Once Sam's um, avatar is like his great-grandfather... And he runs into his cousin inside the game, the game, the not game. The life. And he's like a, <laughs> well, that's when I, I didn't realize that your avatars could be, um. Anything? So, so, yeah, something so outside the realm of human, like, because Sam was Sam, Mantha. But, I, but cousin, no. I was just like, oh, they're div- they're just types of people. Yeah, he was like a rainbow lion thing and i was like wow yeah i was like why would you choose to be a human (laughs) if you could be like a cool ass animal yeah that makes me wonder even more why he chose to be just a latina girl yeah doing the same things that he's doing in his real life i mean i have this grand theory (laughs) (laughs) go get it from playing D and running D D. That every time someone makes a character, even if it seems like the complete opposite of them, is really just like some shade of them. So my bearded dwarf. Yes. My bearded lady dwarf is me. Yes. In a way. Mm, interesting. In a way, Maybe not like, physically, but it's a shade of you. Well, like I, I play. And does that mean that Doral is Doral is um, my husband? Okay, so let me tell you about my character real fast. So I'm a bearded lady dwarf, and my husband, Doral, um, Doral. is a sorcerer. Yes, his name is Doral. Sounds like a deadbeat. <coughs> well, he's a really great sorcerer, except for the fact that he accidentally turned himself into a falcon, and then he got his wings clipped and got really fat. Um, so he can't do magic, and he just kind of, like, hobbles around everywhere. And so now I'm like, is that Ben? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, my example is so like I play men a lot when I play D anD D, and I might start out thinking like I'm gonna be like what I would think is a stereotypical man and be super macho and hit on doodly. bar maidens, yeah, and like hit on all these winches <laughs> in the bar or whatever. But then it always ends up to like I become some emotional wreck. And become like codependent <laughs> on other people in the party. Exactly, a stereotype of a typical man. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, like, 
like uh, they're always ruining parties with their emotions. Yeah, I am. Like there was one time where this 15 year old who plays with us looked at me and said, "Can you calm down?" <laughs> Was it a deal? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! fifteen-year-old boy. Nothing pisses me off more than when a guy tells me to calm down. You should have slapped him. <laughs> no, he's he's a nice kid, but he was just like, "Can you please calm down?" Oh my you're, god! You're getting very emotional. Like, don't you tell me to calm down. That's I would be me. like, "I'll calm you down by killing you. Then you'll be real calm because <laughs> you'll be dead." Mm-hmm. But that's that's like. I mean, everyone makes characters that are sort of like themselves in a way, even if initially it doesn't seem like it. So, Samantha and whatever his... Isaac, right? Doesn't he just name him after his grandfather? Or his great-grandfather? What was the lion's name? I don't know. (laughs) They, I mean, they're, it's part of themselves, even if it doesn't seem like it. Yeah. I agree with that theory. Well, that made me think Gnome was, like, so interesting, and I would like to know more about him, but I yeah, love that's Gnome. Too many, too many things going on if we throw in more of his actual life than we got, but... So then why do we think Jacob wanted to like, check out the game? <laughs> I don't know. Because he's a douchebag. <laughs> well, I mean, he's losing... In a sense, he's like losing Sam to this game because instead of interacting with people... Or what Jacob would perceive as real people. He's just playing this game on an iPad. Well, also, like, Sam shares, like, more of himself, like, his actual self with the people in this game, or not game, and, like, the experience of it than he does with his parents anymore because he's reached, like, teenage years where he's like, I don't want to talk to you. I'm not telling you anything. So maybe Jacob thought he could get some kind of, like, look into his teenage son's mind by like, going on this thing, and maybe it would help him understand him better. Not true, Jacob. Yeah, I kind of wondered (laughs) if he also, like, for himself, just wanted to become something else for a while. Like, but he can't even do that. Deaf convention. Shit's really fallen apart by that point. But Jacob can't even become a fake person. (laughs) He immediately dies. He just died. Shit's real bad for him at that point. Yeah. Yeah, like, who just eats a random plant? I don't... I, he like, didn't even eat wait, it. He, he doesn't eat it. it. He just smells it, it right? Yeah. Which is a silly thing to do as an avatar in a game, because you yeah. can't smell it. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, I mean, why? to be honest, though, the game sounded so complicated. Because it, it sounded... I mean, it sounded straightforward, but just having played a lot of games before... I think it would be hard to play. It would have so many different controls since you can do essentially anything. Yeah. It's very unlikely he just like picked it up and was like, I don't know how to smell this flower. He'd probably be like, how do I walk? Yeah. I wonder if like it was a, the sort of thing where you like walk forward and then it's like, would you like to smell this bouquet? And then you oh, select sure. like yes or no or something. <laughs> this bouquet. A fatality. Yeah. Um, so should we move on to the next talking point? Yes. Because, you know, I don't, I I feel like maybe we should keep this under two hours. <laughs> oh, God. How long have we, okay, I'm switching. Oh, yeah, we've already done 50 minutes. No. So. Yeah. Well, some it's of already, that was yeah. just chat. Yeah, that's true. Oh, damn. Okay. okay. Well, you know, I'm just trying to get us back on track a little bit. Not that smelling the plants 
is Emily's bored and she hates us. <laughs> okay, well, I do want to talk about this next one. So, yes. Yeah, before I read this book, I was talking to our friend Matthew, who also has cool cats, um, about about the novel because he had already read it. Um, and we both read Extremely Loud and Incredibly right. Close in the same class together. So we talked a lot about that before. But I was looking back through those text messages and he said that Thor seems to need a disaster, either human or natural, to provide the spark for his conflict. So Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close had 9-11 and Everything is Illuminated had the Shoah or the Holocaust. Um, and then, of course, this one had the earthquake in Israel as the major disaster. And... So my question then to you is, to what extent do you think the novel relies on that disaster to push the other conflicts forward? Or do you see that disaster as even being the main disaster? Um, personally, I don't see it as being the main disaster. And I honestly feel like this book could have survived without having that part at all. And like... That whole part yes. felt so separate to me, and, like, that was really the thing that kept me feeling so distant from this book, and not just because I'm a fucking idiot and I don't know anything about <laughs> <laughs> the conflict going on over there. Um, no, I mean, I thought it was interesting at first to imagine, like, this, you know, disaster scenario, but then it just sort of, like disconnected in this way and I I see how it's supposed to tie together his Jewish identity and his differences with his cousin and sort and like you know the the whole conflict that he has with Tamir about like like being like in your home like is Israel your home mm -hmm. are you truly Jewish like that sort of thing but I feel like those things could have been the same they could have had the same effect and impact had there not been this whole side storyline like there's this whole part that's like a whole section where it's just like explaining what happens and like the the diplomacy going back and forth and i was just like this is so irrelevant to like the part of the story that like we have been we have been reading up to this point it just seemed like a total branch off and i like didn't get it and i did not like it and i would have liked the book so much more if it hadn't been for this whole section though i did still like the book ultimately <laughs> yeah, to me, I feel like the real disaster, quote unquote, disaster in this book would be the divorce. Yeah. Because it seems like everything hinges on that. Even like before the divorce is really a thing, everyone kind of like knows that it's impending. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like even the kids are talking about it from the very beginning. Maybe especially the kids. Yeah, especially the kids are talking. Like, the kids know it more than the parents know it. Um, but that sort of seems like the real, to me, the real, like, disaster of the book that the book sort of um, depends on. And I guess, like, maybe that's not big enough to really call a disaster. But, yeah, the earthquake stuff to me, that would be the part of the book that I would give fewer stars. <laughs> on Goodreads, if I could rate per section. Well, I mean, while I didn't think, like, wow, I'm really enjoying this earthquake stuff, which I don't think is how you're supposed to feel about it anyway, but I didn't think that, but at the same time, if the earthquake doesn't happen, we don't get an extended visit from Cousin Tamir. Mm -hmm. We don't get these, like, real questions about 
if it's possible for Jacob as an American Jewish man to feel any connection to Israel, which I don't know. I don't know that it is. And I was trying to think like me being a little separated from this issue. Like I was raised Southern Baptist and they're just kind of, you know, doing their thing. And we don't have like this big international, like, uh, homeland or whatever, you know? And so I was trying to think like, what would I feel like if you've never been, connected to a country why would you feel like it's part of your home i don't know it was interesting it was interesting to think about and i think that the earthquake helps frame that in a way that's easier to understand or like illustrate i think for a lot of jews though who are really um loyal to israel or connected to it it feels like the only place in the world that they have that is for them only or supposed to be in their minds. I don't have a dog in this. Right. No, I know. (laughs) I'm not throwing out opinions on this conflict, but for the, for the wall to fall, that's a big deal would be, yeah, would be really devastating. Um, like on a symbolic level, first of all, and then also just, it would feel like, well, we have no way to protect this place. Right. That seems to be the only place that they have left. Again, for some people. And I don't know what I would feel like if that happened, but it would be scary because I know for sure a lot of Jews would die if it happened. Yes, that's true. Um, as would a lot of whoever else is coming in to try to take it. Um, Just a lot of death, Palestinians period. would also, uh, yeah. Um But, I mean, it's contentious enough as it is, but to, for the wall to come down, I don't know, like, that was the part where I actually did get really interested in the earthquake was once that happened, because I was like, oh, shit, like, Israel's not gonna, it might not even exist after this, which would be a very major crisis for Jews everywhere, because where they would be displaced. Right. I don't know. Jacob, though, still doesn't seem to do much, though, you know, in in any way about it. That's the thing, <laughs> but, is it seems like that's, like, a separate story that could have been more interesting were there a different character <laughs> dealing with it. But, like, Jacob's reaction to the whole yeah. thing is just kind of, like, it doesn't feel... It feels like he doesn't feel like it's really a part of his own story, and thus it seems kind of out of place. Because then he's also yeah. dealing with this whole divorce situation, and the suicide, and all... The- There's, like, so much going on. Well, he didn't seem to think feel like it was part of his life or his duty to go there until the divorce was really happening, and they were actually, like, sleeping in separate places, and he didn't really know where she was, and then all of a sudden it was like... I have a job to do and I must go. (laughs) And so I think it is, I guess, connected to like where he is in the divorce at the time, but, but then he doesn't actually go. It was almost like he was, he was using it. I mean, it was definitely that he was using it as a way to like escape what was going on in his marriage. And then also hoping that the, the possibility of him, going to war would make Julia see that 
they should work out their marriage and she should beg him to come back because he literally asks her like 10 times like can you please just tell me not to go and she's like what do you want from me and he's like tell me to stay here and she's like i can't right now jacob like (laughs) i'm trying to work on my it's the same reaction she has when she's like if someone's actual (laughs) asshole is in front of you you wouldn't do it (laughs) she's basically like yeah you can be at an airport yeah I mean, staring down the metaphorical asshole, and you're still not gonna fuck it. <laughs> Julia has the opportunity to have an affair, and she doesn't. I mean, don't they have sex? Did they? I thought they just kissed. I think they just kissed. Oh, I thought they had sex. Which, like, she didn't seem like she enjoyed, really. It was just kind of like, yeah, I did it, but. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think I don't think her de- her specific desire was to have an affair, though. Right? Because she wasn't leaving the marriage because she felt something for another person. It was just because she didn't want to be with him, you know? Yeah. And then there was like a catalyst because well, she felt like he wasn't there at all. Yeah. I mean, I've got to say though, their co-parenting situation after the divorce is like really admirable. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, it seemed to be, like, a pretty smooth divorce after the the part that happens during an earthquake and a suicide, like, once that all is over. Yeah, I mean, like, like no Jacob one went to Israel to and everything's fine. remarriage wedding. I also like how yeah. much Julia is just like, like, your grandfather killed himself today, but we're still getting divorced. Also, there was a huge earthquake in Israel. <laughs> And the world is falling <laughs> apart, but just so you know, we're still getting a divorce because I hate you. Also, this bar mitzvah is still on. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it is happening. And we're going to have the decoration Don't get distracted. the tables. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck paper plates from getting the real shit. This is a fancy bar mitzvah that we threw together two days ago. In our kitchen. And then Sam yeah. gives a ridiculous speech. <sighs> Yeah, that speech was a bit ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> One thing, okay, I was reading a review today just for funsies about this book, and someone said that for like a, a decade or so, that four should be banned from having children narrate anything. <laughs> It's true, like, everything he does. if you've read Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, the whole thing is narrated by a very precocious, like, nine-year-old kid. And it was like, can we put, like, a moratorium on (laughs) the child narration for, just for a while, like, make him stop doing it? And this speech was one of those moments where that might not have been, like, the worst thing. Also, I took a note on the worst sentence in the book. (laughs) Oh, no. Because in general, I actually really thought the dialogue was pretty good, especially yeah. between Jacob and Julia, and even Irv and Jacob. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked their dynamic, too, but um, this was a real sentence. Max plugged his speech orifice with a burrito. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I had to stop everything I was doing and put that in my phone. Oh, my Just- no one speaks that way. Max plugged his speech <laughs> orifice with a burrito. Max took a bite of a burrito. <laughs> and stopped talking. That's right? trying to say. Why? Also, no, it's like, someone edited this book and they were like, Well, okay, someone okay. 
edited this book, <laughs> but you know, it's it's almost six hundred pages long. So Yeah, they like skipped a chunk in the middle where that sentence. I think that feels like something he did to see if he could get away with it. That is a terrible sentence. It's like well, a note okay. to the editor. Like, I have been reading. thinking about it for a week. Like, this might that's be, how much that sentence bothers me. This might be a stretch, but I'm I'm feeling like some connections with buttholes there. <laughs> plug. Like it's sort of like a reverse butthole Butt plug, and like instead. Instead a reverse of, butt plug. Yes. No, well, I'm thinking, like, of pooping. And, like, oh. so, like, instead of pooping to, like... And a burrito is kind of, like... It has beans. It Where well, is it's it going? Of, <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, we're talking about the fascination with buttholes, and I feel like it's kind of, like... I don't Plugged. know, like, putting food into a mouth, plugging it into an orifice, it, it's just God. kind of, like, got a... Like, visually, it creates sort of, like, butthole imagery. What has me. happened? What happened just now? Um, um, I said it might be a stretch. I, I, I think, started... I think saying Don't it might say be a stretch, stretch right is a pun. Emily's blog post is going to be about the anal imagery, and here I am. It's, it's really not. Butthole gazing. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay, well, I wanted to say, because you, you marked your worst sentence, but I actually... Um, I marked a lot of pages in this book with, like, things that I really liked. Like, and I, that's how I've always felt about Jonathan Safran Foer is there are, like, there's, like, lots of, he says a, a decent amount of, like, stupid and annoying things. But then he says a lot of really, like, like, things that I think are really smart and sort of, like, sweet little, like, distillations of, like, things in life that are true that I don't really think about. Like, one of my favorite things is, um, when he's talking about that, when the kids get their school pictures taken, and oh, yeah. they're all faking their smiles or whatever, or trying to, um, and he says, um, they're wonderful smilers, the best, but they're the very worst fake smilers. The inability to fake a smile defines childhood, and I think that's like so interesting and smart because it's so true. Like, like I could fake a smile in a second, like easy. But, like, when you're a little kid and you see these kids in their pictures, like, with these ridiculous fake smiles, and it's like, when is another time when you, like, can't physically fake a smile, you know? <laughs> like, so, I don't know. I think there's a lot of, like, like wisdom throughout, even when there are plenty of parts that are, like, false wisdom that are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Miraculously, too, a lot of that wisdom in true for fashion is spoken or thought by one of the kids. Yeah. Which I, I do think that, that he, sometimes the kids are far too smart, but a lot of times the kids do respond in ways that I think are really realistic for how children, like, interpret information. Mm -hmm. Especially Benji, I think. Um, yeah. Who is the youngest child in this book, is, like, a lot of the stuff that he responds to, and a lot of his his fears and he just has this like extreme fear of death which is kind of like what i was like as a little kid so i really like related to that because i remember like i mean i don't remember being that young but i remember being like you know five and like going to my parents room at night and being like i'm afraid of death like what happens is there nothingness please explain and my parents were like uh <laughs> but please go to sleep kelly yeah <laughs> they try to walk away and you're like but mom 
And then I would just lay yep. in my bed and like stare at the ceiling. But um, that's, that's <laughs> a, you know, conversation for another time. But anyway, this child is like, like extremely anxious about that sort of thing. And then like everything that his parents say or do or everything that his siblings say or do, he like takes that and he's like, how can I apply this to the things I'm afraid of? And I thought that was like a good like, just representation of a little kid and having this, like, one-track thinking, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, <laughs> anything else? Do we want to talk, do we want to talk Jewish stuff or nah? I think, wanna... I think you should talk your Jewish stuff, stuff. Well, I don't want to just talk your talk Jewish stuff. Jewish stuff. I guess I just, I was interested in the moment that, I guess Tamir kind of talked Jacob into feeling like he needed to go to Israel, but there's so many different, just within that one family levels of Jewish experience and Jewish identity. Like, I don't think that, um, I I guess I feel like Jacob sees himself as Jewish, but not in the religious sense. I don't think anyone in his immediate family is either, but his, well, in his Julia and his kids, I mean, but his dad is like, the most Jewish guy and His dad. um is still on I mean he 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 exists to tell everyone like how much everyone hates Jews. Yes. Apparently in like very public forums and at the expense of other races and religions. I wanted hmm. to know more about that because I keep referencing that he like had some crazy offensive blog post <laughs> I wish they yeah and that like he goes on news shows and I think he I think he's probably talking <clears throat> about Palestinians is what it sounds oh, yeah. like um or even maybe just Muslims in general he doesn't seem <clears throat> like he has any plans to go to Israel no <laughs> when any of this happens and like he is ostensibly the most Jewish family member and then there's Isaac, who just, you know, takes a quick exit, like, he's like, the first sentence of the book is that he's deciding whether to move to Israel or kill himself. And, of course, Israel explodes, so he kills himself. But no one really ends up going, which I don't really know what that says about... I mean, I guess Tamir goes, but Tamir lives in Israel. He lives there, yeah. (laughs) Um... I don't know what it says about their Jewishness as a whole um, and as a family and or anything, really. So I don't know that I have anything wise to say about it. I was just interested in how each of them reacted in this situation. Like, Julia seemed to just sort of breeze, breeze by it all. And oh, yeah. And just focus on, like, getting the divorce going. <laughs> and the, the bar mitzvah. <laughs> but at the same time, like, the bar mitzvah is somehow so important, and yet... They're only doing it, like, out of the tradition of having to do it, but no one really wants to do it for Jewish reasons. So. I mean, that seems like it's kind of a theme, though, because I think Judaism is in, like, an interesting spot of being both, in a way, a religion and also, like, uh, an ethnic culture. You know, like, it's a community mm-hmm. and also a religion. And so Jacob says multiple times he's agnostic. And he doesn't really <laughs> believe in God. And so, mm-hmm. but he still identifies as Jewish. Yeah. Well, Judaism does not require, as a belief system, does not require a belief in God. So there are a lot of Jewish atheists who just 
identify as part of the community and part of the tribe, so to speak, but are not really there to worship anything, um, but somehow feel connected, Yeah, I guess, culturally. But yeah, I mean, you don't have to, unlike Christianity, where, like, the defining thing is you believe in a certain thing. And if you do not, Judaism it is a problem. have that. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> then you're not doing it right. Um, yeah, so Judaism doesn't doesn't have that. Um, but he seems to talk really openly about that even to the kids, oh, yeah. especially, like, Benji is asking about death and stuff. It's just like, oh, yeah, well, if we believed in, like, angels <laughs> in heaven and stuff, then, like, that's what would happen, but, you know, we don't. So, it's like, well, he's not really even trying to comfort him yeah. at all. It's just like, eh. <laughs> Which is maybe kind of a Jewish trait, actually. It's just like, hey, here's the shit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's gonna suck. Sorry. There's no angels. <laughs> well, and the name Jacob, so, like, biblically speaking, Jacob is given that name after an, he wrestles with an angel. <laughs> and then, like, his name is it becomes Israel. And right. Israel means to wrestle with God. And I think they actually talk about that in the book, but I can't remember because I'm getting it confused with, like, an actual thing I read about. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they do talk but, about it, yeah. Um, he, it, it's just interesting that they, that his name is Jacob. And yet Israel seems to mean nothing really is just a symbol of his kind of non-existence as a yeah. person in his own family. Oh, man. He's a sad character. <laughs> He's sad. such a sad character. <laughs> He is a sad character. He's a he's a tragedy. He's a walking tragedy. And I thought it was interesting, just the like brief allusion to what like his potential death of by like throat cancer or something. Like, yeah. like I don't. I wonder if that if we were supposed to take that as like this is how he's going to die because that's like the last they mention it once, and that seems to be like the latest, like furthest in time the story goes. Yeah, I think that is how we're sp- that's what I assumed is that's how he's going to yeah. go. And they're just going to really casually talk about it probably up until the moment that yeah. he dies and then they'll be like, "Well, I guess we have to have a funeral like sit <laughs> yeah. because that's what you do, but not cuz I really want to do it Jewishly." I, I think that's kind of like I mean it reminded me just of like like, speaking about Christianity, like, this concept that, like, people will just go to church on Easter and Christmas because they're supposed to. And then, but, like, why? Like, there are so many families, like, who consider themselves Christian or Catholic or whatever, who will go just on these very specific days to church just because that's what you do. And Yeah, it's, like, really interesting to me because my family used to do that, and my family is, like, the least... (laughs) <laughs> least religious family and yet we would still go to church on christmas eve for like the midnight service or whatever and i'd be sitting there like what why are we here like what is this necessary <laughs> i'm just imagining like kelly as a child but also kind of a grandma being like it's midnight <laughs> i'm tired that's like me currently also that's just like how i am if it's if it's like eleven thirty, I'm like, why am I still awake? Oh yeah. So, do we have any other thoughts? Last parting words. Um, R.I.P. Argus. Yeah. 
I think talking about it and processing the book a little bit has made me feel a bit better about it. Maybe I will adjust your star star. rating. Yeah. (laughs) Can I go back in and give it that third star? I think it deserves a third star. I'm doing it right now. Yes. Can I ask what you gave the couple before? Uh, sure. Let me see. If it's more than two stars, I'm going to slap you in the face. I gave it a one one star. Okay. I think I gave it one star also because you can't. You don't have the option. You or, can't give it. Yeah, no stars aren't an option. Yeah, it it would. There's get a lot no of stars. Amazon reviews that are like, "I only pay one star because they won't let me put zero. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like, speaking of okay, stars and speaking of that. <laughs> Uh, do you guys use Letterboxd? I have before. No, I mean, I have it, but I don't really use, I don't actively use I've it. I've just been using it this year because I need to start keeping track of, like, what movies I watch for my sanity. And so, like, <laughs> I <laughs> I rated, after I watched Grease 2, I rated Grease 2, a, like, a half star. And then I wrote, this is literally the worst movie I've ever seen in my entire life. And that was my review. And multiple people liked that review. Like, gave it, like, a thumbs-up comment thing. And, like, I don't have any <laughs> friends on Letterboxd, so these are, like, complete strangers. <laughs> you're, you're, you're Letterboxd famous I'm Letterboxd now. famous. Did you ever listen to the How Did This Be I Made I did. Episode? I listened to it yesterday in preparation for my blog post, which I'm going to write um, about how much Grease 2 sucks. I can't decide the format that it's going to take. It might be, like, just, like, an overall, like, run-through of, like, everything that sucks. Just, like, a, like, scene-by-scene, scene, this is terrible. List. Like, in order. So, just to let our listeners know, <laughs> we are going to have a, a blog. We do have a blog. Where we talk about, oh, yes, we, <laughs> we have a blog where we talk about, you know, shit that we don't have time to talk about on our show, usually about... TV shows and movies and other books and things like that. Maybe a couple of things about our pets will get thrown on there as they do. But um, so if you go check out the blog right now at our website, which is booksquad.ink. I-N-K. I-N-K. Yeah. Like ink. Not incorporated. No, we're not incorporated just yet, but we are a squad. officially. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you will see at this point, there should be two blog posts up there. Mm -hmm. Um, I have written about Moana, which is my favorite Disney movie of all time. So good. So good. Um, I, you know, I, I sing it every day. Um, (laughs) but this isn't going to be a, this isn't a post just about like how much I love Moana. Um. I, I have thoughts and feelings, and so this will be about that. I'm just going to let you check it out. But this is going to be, like, one of the many reasons that I think this movie is so cool, but also problematic. So <gasps> check that out. And Mary should also have a blog post up. About. Which will be about. S-Town. S-Town. Podcast, podcast from uh, This American Life. And Serial. 
and cereal. I, it's kind of confusing who's doing what now because they're like, <laughs> let's put everyone's name on it. Cereal um, has created their own production company called Cereal Productions. But cereal comes mm-hmm. from This American Life, so... Yes, it's very confusing. But and then S-Town came from both of those. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going... Um, I've got a post about S-Town where I discuss mental illness and how S-Town sort of skirts around it. Interesting. Yeah. So, yes, there will be blog posts. It will be awesome, you know, because you just, I mean, one podcast every two weeks is just not enough for you, and we understand that. So we're trying to give you content all the time. Yes, and just so you know, we will be having podcasts every other week. We will be doing a full book review podcast, and then, like, there will be a week with nothing and sadness. Except there will be a blog post. <laughs> and then there will be a week with a mini-sode about some random shit. <laughs> that is TB- of, I, TBD. I anticipate that when we say mini-sode, we really mean full-time, just not about a book. No. no it's going to be under 30 minutes because I swear to God, people, like, I cannot. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, Kelly has to edit all of it. Like, if you guys want to teach yourselves how to use... We are zero help. Oh, no, 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 that's okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We'll just send you inspirational bitmaps. And if it is over 30 minutes, I will cut the shit out of that. I will cut out entire chunks and you'll have no say as to what gets kept. So be and prepared. And if you want to have a say, I am guessing that any time The Bachelor is mentioned, that shit's going to get no cut. No one heard what you just said, Emily, because I just cut it out. Yeah. <laughs> no! <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, though. Quick, quick Bachelor comment. Uh, so on this week's Dancing with the Stars... What? They... <laughs> Shut up! I'm getting there. It's related. I it's thought, related. I thought you were it's about related. to say. Quick bachelor comment: Mary wrote a poem about Corinne. <laughs> Can I say my thing? That's the mini sode. So, on this week's Dancing with the Stars, um, the first commercial that I have seen for Rachel's season of The Bachelorette aired, and I am amped, and we're going to be talking about it a lot. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, a Kelly, lot. but like. We all want to marry Rachel. We love her. Kelly, just watch it. You can watch this one because it's you're going to see it from the beginning. It's the first woman of color. It's the first person of color to ever be a lead also, of the show. Also, she's it's a badass. She's amazing. You will want to marry her, too. She's an attorney, <laughs> and she's beautiful, and she's smart, and she's hilarious. And she's I hope the they pick she's good dudes for her. Yeah. Um, Kelly's just shut down. Kelly, get the fuck on board. Yeah, it's less editing that you'll have to do if you're on board. Is just the most disturbing concept for a television show. Exactly. You're not exactly. wrong. You're not wrong, but and that's I why just it's cannot yeah, no one's get denying that. Bored. I just can't I can't I think you'll really like I Rachel. I can't though. like suspend yeah. my emotional turmoil that I feel every time I watch an episode of and I have watched The Bachelor. I'm not I have not I've watched Plenty of episodes of it because my dad and my stepmom love The Bachelor and The Bachelorette and Bachelor in Paradise and all the things. <gasps> um, <laughs> Is it time to talk about our pets? Oh my, <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't. Oh my God. There's a cat. 
Okay. The cat on the podcast. So, all right. Yes, the cat has to be on the podcast. So maybe for our last thing we do on this episode, we should introduce our, our pets. Our pets are going to play a crucial role in many episodes to come. So Our lives. Yeah, in, in our lives. So <laughs> And on the blog. On the blog. In the blog. They're very cute. Um, mm-hmm. So someone start. I have to go retrieve Penelope. Um, perhaps you just heard a small meow. And that was Petrina, one of my two cats. Um, They don't get along yet, (laughs) still. (laughs) Um, So they have to be separated. But Petrina is a young, a young kitten. Just, you know, about 15 months old. (laughs) Why don't you why don't you tell them her full name since we were talking about her cereal. name in honor of cereal. First her first name Petrina is from Dungeons and Dragons, a game I uh, a campaign I've played. Um but her full name is Petrina the Nisha call Koenig. Yeah. And that is <laughs> on her collar. <laughs> what? It's on her, and her birth certificate. Yes. Yes. And her driver's license. I need a picture of that collar. Please put a picture of the collar on the box. Yeah. My other cat is Sir Edward B. Fluffytail. Mm -hmm. The B stands for Booba. Yeah. Which I'm not sure where that came from or why. Isn't there that show? Isn't there a show? There was a show called called Boobas. Yes. And they were very frightening. It's very disturbing. But I don't know. I just started calling him that one day. He's very large and fluffy. Um, yes. There's someone here. Hold on. Oh, I heard a gentle mew. It's her. I'm holding Penelope, my cat. She is six years old. Oh, and she's baby. very beautiful. She looks like a model. If she were a movie star, she would probably be Audrey Hepburn. If you just look at her. Mm-hmm. Very classic. She's a classic beauty. She could be a part-time model. It's been part of her time modeling and part of her time next to you. Was that her? Yeah. Yeah. Penelope. She was saying, bitch, I could be a full-time model, is what she was saying. Oh, that's a sad meow. (laughs) This is her desperate, please let me go meow. Um... Oh, okay. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> so, I have two baby cats. Um, I have Josie Monkey Puddingston, Sir Josie Monkey Puddingston. He's about 11 years old, a tiny, tiny baby. Um, and then I also have uh, Sir Celia, Lanista, <laughs> Anastasia. Lannister, um, and she's what, like two now? That's crazy. She's a tiny, tiny, tiny baby. Um, and they're hanging out in the other room because uh, otherwise Cersei would be crawling all over me. And my uh, microphone has cat hair all over it because she likes to rub on it. And so I just figured that wasn't good, like podcasting. And she would be like to have like cat rubbing. Yeah. Yep, that's the noise she makes. Yeah, she she likes to go. That's her sound. <laughs> um, so those are my cats. Also, I have, uh, well, um, my fiance is really into reptiles. So we have a ball python named George. 
and a gecko named Scout. Oh. So we're a full house of animals. A zoo. Mm-hmm. We yeah. bought a zoo. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we're Scarlett Johansson uh, and Matt Damon. Yeah. Are those people in that movie? Yeah. Yes, we're those guys. Yeah, totally believable. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I don't have any cats. Um, That's okay. <laughs> I know. I just like. I feel you know, like you let your one like dog friend. No. Um, I have three dogs. I have my firstborn <laughs> is a boy. His, his name is Roger. He's probably a pit bull mix. Um, he's got a crooked leg from living on the streets before we had him, but he's very sweet and spoiled now. Um, he goes to work with me a lot. Too. He has meetings, <laughs> important meetings. He has to go yes. to. He goes to many important meetings. (laughs) Um, Mabel. We got Mabel so that Roger would have a friend because we thought that he was bored. (laughs) And we found her on the internet. And Joe wanted – Joe's my husband. Joe wanted a big dog. And Mabel's not big. She weighs 20 pounds. And at the time, she was even smaller because she was a puppy. But Joe saw her and said, we're getting that bitch. I don't care how big (laughs) she is. (laughs) And then we got her. So sweet. so sweet. so she did become very good friends with Roger, but she did not like us at first. But now she does. She's fine. Aww. And then, kind of on a whim, we got this third one who turned out to be, like, almost 90 pounds. Um, so she takes up a lot of space in our house, but it's She's good very space, cute, and we love though. her. Her name is Hattie, and she has a lot of extra skin, which is <laughs> adorable. Yeah, we got her when we were trying to go buy a St. Bernard at the at the shelter, but it had already been adopted, so we thought, eh, we'll just walk around, knowing full well we, we can were can never gonna... just walk around. <laughs> no. We had already committed to getting this St. Bernard that wasn't even there anymore, so we just, we saw her, and in about a minute and a half, we were like, and we have three dogs now. So, mm-hmm. they all, they're a little pack. Yeah, they have very different personalities, and... Some of those personalities are not allowed at the dog. Park. I have to say, <laughs> I I do have a favorite dog. <gasps> no, is it Mabel? It's, it's Mabel. Of course, it's, it's Mabel. Mabel. <laughs> she just she just uh, has please such go an check out Mabel's face. picture that should be on the website. Um, she she does have a very expressive face. She's cutie. She is our cutest dog. Mary has also told me that she prefers the P to the C. <gasps> So that sounds like sexual stuff. <laughs> she she prefers uh, Josie Monkey Puddingston over Cecilia. I prefer the C because the P hates me, and it is known. <gasps> no, I the P doesn't time when he growled at me and tried to hit me. <laughs> well, that's that's just that's just oh PB&P. shit, slander. <laughs> that's just P B and P. Don't hate on my cat. I I love P. I just say I'm saying I have a favorite. Okay. Oh, I tried to get a cat. Um, we have a uh, there's a cat that sort of lives next door and sort of lives on our porch. And I tried to make her live with us, and it, it did not work out. But she still sits on my porch a lot. <laughs> and I say hi to her. We want pictures. And the neighbors call her Prissy. Ew. No, that's gross. But that no no no. Her name is Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> Oh, so, good. Beautiful. Um, well, um, send me a picture of her. Fun. She can be part of the squad, too. Yeah. Oh, she's adorable. She's yeah. all white. Aww. She's very pretty. Yay!
All right. So we have a blog, as previously mentioned, slash website, where you can find uh, all of our podcasts, which is just this one as of right now. Um, <laughs> but then our blog posts, uh, pictures, contact information, pictures of baby pets and us, if you care about that, mostly the pets are the important part. Also, there will be um, a little calendar and list of upcoming books. Um, so our book for next month, Kelly, do you want to say a little something about uh, it? Sure. Our book for next month is White Teeth by Zadie Smith. Um, yeah, that's all I'm going to say because I haven't started reading it yet. And I know almost <laughs> nothing about it <laughs> other than I started reading it. It's been recommended to me by many a person. So all right. all of our listeners should start reading yeah, that start immediately. Reading. Yes. We will have a podcast reviewing slash discussing that book in approximately um, four weeks a month. But in two weeks, look out for a mini-sode about um, a topic yet to be decided upon, possibly Beauty and the Beast that was thrown out there. Uh, I could I take up a whole whole time. <laughs> you may not speak for ninety minutes about. There will you. be a four-hour episode of just Mary talking about oh. Mary doing a monologue about Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> it's best to listen on a car trip yeah. somewhere. So check us out at booksquad.inc. I-N-K, like ink that comes from a squid. Or a pen. Or a pen. 